Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hosea. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. I put a piece of paper there so that I wouldn't have to go looking for it. It's a very small book. Um, So good luck. It's just after Daniel. There you go. It's right after Daniel. Um, Hosea chapter 6. And reading from verse 1. The Bible says this. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Verse 3, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains, that water, the earth. And so, Father, I just thank you for your grace. And I just thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your spirit that is here today. Just as we go to the word, I pray that our ears would be open to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would speak a word into our hearts that will guide us, lead us, change us, transform us. We love your word. We love your presence. And we know that your word has the power to to do amazing things in our lives. Just come by your spirit, I pray. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. There be a spirit of wisdom and revelation even as we, we study this word, as we go to the word of God. And Father, let there be nothing in me that hinders this word, but let us hear the voice of the spirit, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have been at life for some time, as Pastor Joseph said, you'll know that at the beginning of every year, we begin with a time of prayer. Uh, with a time of fasting, uh, as we commit the year to the Lord, we've been doing this for quite some years, and this year um, is going to be no exception. We're going to be dedicating next week um, uh, to prayer and fasting, so you've got another week to just enjoy uh, food, because uh, in case you haven't eaten enough, eat a bit more. Um, and the reason why we do this is because we believe in the power of prayer. We, we understand that prayer is extremely powerful. Can I hear an Amen. Uh, One of the things I love about this church is that we are a praying church. At the beginning of every month, we gather together as a church to pray and and because we we believe that. And we also uh, believe that when you combine prayer with fasting, that we tap into another dimension. Disciples asked Jesus why they couldn't deliver a boy from an evil spirit. And Jesus said, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some miracles, some breakthroughs, some outpourings of God's Spirit that will only happen when the church unites together and begins to pray and fast. I believe that there are some things that can only happen in our life when we begin to pray and fast, when we begin to seek God with all of our heart, 
with all of our mind and with all of our strength. Many examples of people praying and fasting in the Bible and seeing powerful results. Esther fasted and she received the favor of God. Daniel fasted and he had an answer from prayer. Ezra fasted and there was protection on his life. Jesus fasted and after 40 days of fasting, the Bible says the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and the list goes on. Every time they did something, uh, every time they fasted, every time they prayed, something powerful happened. Andrew Murray said, fasting helps to express, to deepen and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice everything, even ourselves to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. I think that's a powerful quote. It's, it's we will do whatever it takes to tap into the realm of the Spirit. I know that every time I fast, every time I, I dedicate a day to fasting, something changes in my spirit. So, something changes. I, I feel closer to God. I feel like I can hear the voice of the Spirit with greater clarity. Now, there are different ways that you can get involved with this fasting season. There's the full fast, of course, where you uh, give up food completely for a day or more. Um, there's a partial fast. There's a Daniel fast where, you know, you keep it very basic, a three-day fast. One may want to skip a meal or two. But whatever you do during that time, seek after God. It's cry out to God. It's not about the fasting. It's not about how we fast, although I do believe that's important. But it's about the dedication to God. It's about crying out to God during that season of fasting. It's a way of disciplining our natural desires. And saying, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to set aside everything else to seek after you and to cry out to you. And when we do that, something happens. I, I believe that things can be broken in the spiritual realm. Things can be released in the spiritual realm as we cry out to God and as we seek his face. And this is true for individuals and it's true for, also, for us corporately as a church. And one of the things I want us to pray for uh, as a church during this time is that God would awaken us, that there would be an awakening, that God would revive us as the church. Paul, in writing to the Roman church, said this, and do this, understanding the present time. Listen, listen to what he says, because I believe this power, this scripture is very powerful. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our, save, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. How true that is. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. What is, what is he speaking about here? He's speaking about the fact that, that, you know, the end coming of Christ is near. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I believe more than ever, uh, th this is a time for the church to wake up. I believe more than ever, it's a time where the church needs to be uh, revived, where there needs to be an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ. Often we say the world is bad and things are bad, immorality is rampant and we're abandoning Bible truths and that's all true in the world. What else can we expect from the world? Do we expect the world to get closer and closer to God? It's not going to happen. The world is going to get further and further away from God. The problem is not that it's happening in the world. The problem is it's happening in the church. 
The problem is that the church is being influenced, that the church is slowly drifting further and further away from the truths of God's word. Paul directed this letter to the church, not to the world. And he says, understanding the present time, understanding the times that we're living in, it's time to wake up. The hour has come. The night is nearly over. I mean, this is Paul speaking nearly 2,000 years ago. If it was true 2,000 years ago, how much more truer is it today? How much more true is the, the reality that we are closer to the day of Christ's return? I think it's, it's more and more real even today. The day is almost here. So stop trying to live with, like the world does, carousing and debauchery. Um, now, I'm sure we use those kind of words in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're part of our vocabulary. Um, I've never used those words in my whole life, but they don't sound good though. They don't sound very good. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in evil desires. Instead, become more like Jesus. Instead, press, press into God. Instead, become more and more like Jesus Christ. If we're going to see a move of God in our nation, it starts with you and it starts with me. Question is, how are we going to see a move of God? Well, I believe the prophet Hosea has some principles to teach us about how we can actually see a move of God in our lives. Hosea preached for about 80 years and uh, Isaiah and Michael were his contemporaries. In other words, they lived about the same time that, that he did. And the theme of Hosea is God's love for his people when their hearts are far from him. Hosea preached to the people of Israel who were prospering, uh, but they were wayward, idolatrous, rebellious, pleasure-seeking. And Hosea was called to preach to the people of Israel in these times. He was called to marry Gomer, a really interesting story and a very interesting book to read, who later was unfaithful uh, to him and became a prostitute. Hosea could have rejected her. Instead, Hosea went after her to bring her back. And this is what the Bible says, Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they they turned to other gods. So Isaiah's faithful love became a prophetic picture of God's love to his unfaithful uh, people. So the people of Israel kept wandering away from God. I'm preparing some messages for February about a generational gospel is what I've called the series. And it's about the people of Israel and, 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 and just uh, what happens with the generations. And one generation was faithful to God. And then the second and then the third generation began to wander away from God. And we have this cycle in the people of Israel, one generation, you know, fully consecrated to God. And then the second generation starts to wander. And it happened again and again with the people of Israel. And, and as we read this, we, we read about, about this through the minor prophets, how God sends a prophet to speak to the nation of Israel and say, come on, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. His love was unfaithful. You know, when they wandered away from God, God never abandoned them. He always sent his prophets. He always sent people to say, come on, come back to God. Come back to God. I love you. I care about you. Come on, come back and begin to worship God. Prophet preaches to the people and pleads with them. 
for change of heart and direction, to avoid judgment and experience restoration and revival, to awaken. And I believe the message of Hosea is just as relevant to us today. Because if we follow its principles, we too can experience revival. We too can experience a spiritual downpour. We too can experience an awakening. So let's have a look at some of the principles that uh, come out of this particular text that we read. The first principle Isaiah presents is an invitation to an awakening. It's an invitation to an awakening. He says in verse 1, come and let us return to the Lord. Come on, let us return to the Lord. Notice the invitation, come. You don't have to be where you are. You don't have to experience the heartbreak, the sorrow, the way you're living. You can come and you can return back to the Lord. Things don't have to be the way they are in your life. Things can change. Doubt can turn to faith. Despair can change to joy. Defeat can become victory. All you need to do is come to the Lord. All throughout Scripture, God invites His people. Come on, come and seek me. Come and cry out. Come and, come and, come and follow me. Jeremiah says, call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I love that scripture. I love what it represents. It's God who's speaking to his people. He's speaking to the people of Israel and he's saying, just call to me. And I'm going to tell you things that are going to blow your mind away. I'm going to do things with your life that are going to blow your mind away. You can't even imagine the kinds of things I want to do with your life. Would you just call to me? Just come to me. Revelation 22, 17, just finished reading the book of Revelation. He says, come and let, this, these are, this is Revelation 22, this is right at the end. And he's saying, come and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It's Jesus, it's God inviting us to come to him. And he's saying, man, I, I've, I've got so much in store for your life. If you would just come, if you would just come to me. I believe it's been the cry of God for the ages. I want to do something new and fresh in your life. I want to bless you. I want to show you things that will blow your mind. I want to speak to you about your future. I just wonder, are you bored with your life? <laughs> are you sick and tired of just doing the, the same old, same old? Does it just feel like an, oh, 2022, just another year? Another year of paying off the mortgage, another year of doing this and that and the other thing. Can I just encourage you? to begin to seek after God because I know your life will change. Can I just encourage you to begin to cry out to God because I know that God wants to speak to you. You're not an accident. You, 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 you're not just here because by chance you didn't evolve here. I mean, God has a purpose for your life. God wants to do something with your life. Think about my own life. I think about in my, you know, 17, 18, when I started to hear messages like this and, and I started to seek after God. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't think about I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Sometimes I stop and think, I just can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. And yet, and yet I just began to seek after God. And as you begin to seek after God, Lord, do something with my life. Lord, I, Lord, I want to I live for your purpose. Sure, pay off the mortgage. Sure, do this. Sure, do everything that you need to do. Go to work and all the rest of it that you need to do. But cry out to God and seek after God. Because God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to do something with your life that's going to blow your mind. Seek after God. Cry out to God. And I just see the heart of God. He said, just come to me. Just come to me. It's God knocking on the door, you know. 
It's he, he who hears the door, you know, come and I'm, I'm going to come and have, have supper with you. I'm going to come and have dinner with you. I'm going to have lunch with you. It's God knocking on the door of our hearts, speaking to us. Say, let me talk to you. Let me speak to you. Just call to me, but too often the church has been busy and indifferent about the things of God. James says, it's God speaking, come near to God and he'll come near to you. It's powerful. We need to come to the one who answers, to the one who will see us through, the one who will guide us, the one who revives. Some people want the blessing of God, the favor of God, to see a move of God, but they're not willing to cry out to God. And the invitation is there for all of us to experience the presence of God. Second principle this passage teaches us is the pathway to an awakening. So the first is the invitation. It's an invitation to come to God. The second is the pathway to an awakening. If we want to experience a spiritual awakening, we need to do a few things. The first one is let us return to the Lord. The term return there is a picture of repentance. It's used more than a thousand times in the Old Testament. If we want to see God move in our lives, we need to return to the Lord. One of the marks of past awakenings has always been a return to holiness, of being right with God, of spiritual excellence. I don't know about you, but there's a cry in my heart to say, God, could we see a move of God? Um, next Sunday, I'm going to speak on His glory appears, the glory of God. And there's a cry in my heart that's saying, you know what? Thank God for everything that we have here. We are, we are a blessed church living in Australia. We are the most blessed people. We have everything that we could ever possibly imagine. But what we need is the glory of God. What we need is the glory of God. What we need is God to be present. What we need is God to move amongst us. We need to see the glory of God because when the glory of God is here, things begin to change. We see that all throughout history. One of the best known awakenings swept over Wales and touched many nations in the 1900s. God used a young man, 26 years of age, Evan Roberts. He wasn't well educated or a great orator, but he loved to preach the gospel and God used him. In a powerful way, the Welsh revival began with less than 20 people. What were they doing? What were they doing? They were crying out to God for revival. And God answered their cry and brought a powerful move of the Spirit of God in that nation. In two years, 100,000 people gave their life to Christ. Drunkenness was cut in half. Many of the ta taverns went bankrupt. Crime was diminished. Um, the police became unemployed. Wouldn't that be great? And after five years, 80% were still attending church. That awakening touched many nations of the world. It touched America in such a powerful way that mayors would declare days dedicated to prayer. In some cities, the department stores would close between 11 and 2 for prayer. For, two, for, for prayer. Where, hey, the next two hours are going to be dedicated to prayer. Wouldn't that be amazing to see that in our nation? But it wouldn't be amazing to see a, 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 a move of God in our city, in our nation. Tell you, if there's ever a time where we need an awakening, I believe if there's ever a time where we are ripe for an awakening, it's now. It's where, where people have experienced the last couple of years the futility of life. What, what have we really got? We got nothing. How this little bug that we can't even see with our eyes, we don't even know if it really exists. They tell us it exists. We, they, we can't see it, but they're telling us it exists. Has, has turned the whole world upside down. I believe more than ever, the world is ripe for spiritual things, to see things that really last, 
and things that really matter. How does an awakening like that begin? It begins by going back to the Lord. It begins with repentance. The word, the whole concept of repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia. In the Bible, times there were no street lights or roadmaps, certainly no GPS. People would often make a mistake, take a wrong road, and when they recognized that they were on the wrong road, they would return back and get on the right road. And there are times in our life where we're on the wrong road and we need to get back on the right road where we took a wrong turn and we need to get back on the right turn. One of the things that happens to us as we walk with God is we lose sight of God. Our faith begins to decrease. We become more concerned with the things of this world. We lose sight of eternity. We follow after pleasure. We become sidetracked. We lose our focus. It's in those times we need to return back to the Lord. And it's what repentance is all about. It's about acknowledging that things have, things have changed. It's about, it's about looking at ourselves and saying, you know what, 20 years ago, I was, I, was, I was much more on fire for God. It's about recognizing the reality of what's happening inside of us. Repenting means, you know what, I recognize it and I begin to change and then return, return back to the Lord. There are times in our life where we can get so far from God that we need to get back on the right track and get back on the right road. And so often what causes us to get back on the right track uh, is actually a crisis. Something goes wrong and then we cry out to God. I don't know about you, but it certainly happened to me. You know, if I'm traveling along beautifully in life and doing my own thing, you know, praying my little prayers whenever I can, and then something goes wrong. You know, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy all the time, right? But then in the midst of a, when a crisis happens, suddenly you find time for prayer. Suddenly you find time to seek after God. Suddenly you start fasting and praying because you need God to intervene and God to answer. Here's my cry for all of us as a, as a mature people of God, as a people that love God and love our city and want to see God move. Let's not wait for something bad to happen to bring us onto our knees. Let us just cry out to God. Bible says in Lamentations, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us return to the Lord. We can say, I don't have any passion for the word. I need, I need to return to the Lord. When was the last time you heard God speak to you? When, when was the last time you opened the scriptures and, 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 and the Lord spoke to you and you knew it was a word from God? When, when was the last time you wept in his presence? When was the last time you felt his presence so strongly that, 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 it, that it just moved you? When was the last time that happened? When was the last time you came to church and whether it's through an interaction with someone or, or through a song or, or through, through, through the word, you know that God spoke to you. Come, let us return to the Lord. How do we return to the Lord? Joel 2.12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. What a great opportunity to fast and to pray. What is that all about? It's about returning to the Lord. It's about refocusing on God. It's about saying, God, I want you to be the center of my life. Verse 3 continues and says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. That's the second thing we need to do is we need to know the Lord. The NIV says, let us press on. What does it mean to know the Lord? It's an intentional pursuit of God. It's pursuing intimacy with God. 
Let us know, let us press on, let us pursue, let us give ourselves to know who God is. It's intimacy with God. I want to know you more than anything else. The picture I get in my mind is Moses in a tent. He's in a tent and he would talk to God. And the Bible says that God would talk to him just like he talks to another person. I don't know about you, but that to me is, is intimacy with God. And that's what, about, that's what it's all about. And that's what God wants to have with you and me. He wants to be able to communicate with us and talk to us. Let us know the Lord. So many people know about God. So, so, so many people confuse knowing the Lord with intimacy with God. Uh, knowledge of God is, is head knowledge, but intimacy with God is about the heart. And I, I want to I tell you, I, wanna, I want you to know, there's no greater thing that we can pursue in life than intimacy with God. It's our first and foremost uh, priority and purpose in life. It's intimacy with God. It's to cry out to God, to know God. Paul says in Philippians, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. This is the apostle Paul's getting towards the end of his life. And what is he doing? Look at what he's focused. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I tell you, if there's anything that I, that, I, that I want more than anything else in life at this stage, you know, when you're younger, Lord, I need this, I need that, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I need all this stuff, God, you know, do this and do that. But as you get older, you realize, well, if I've got another 16 rooms in my house, that ain't going to help me. It's going to mean more cleaning and more air conditioning and just, just you know, it's, 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 you start to focus in and, and, and you start to say, God, I, I just want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever trouble you're going through right now, whatever difficulties you're going through right now, whatever chat, the answer is in the presence of God. Whatever mountains you're facing in your life right now, the answer is in the presence of God. But you've got to get into the presence of God. I want to know you. I want to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Joe, you know, I, I just don't know. I get this thought. I don't know if it's God or not God. Well, that, 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 that's beautiful. It's a great question. Did God speak to me or did God not speak to me? Was it, was it, a, was it a God thought or not a God thought? Well, the only way you're going to know is by spending more time in the presence of God. And you, and you, and you, you allow God to train you into hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Young Samuel, young Samuel was, a, was a young boy. He heard the voice of God. He didn't know it was the voice of God. He had to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He heard, Samuel, Samuel, and he gets up and he goes to Eli. And then, he, and then I didn't call you, go back down. Again, Samuel, Samuel, he goes back to Eli. He said, go back to sleep, or was it? He had to learn to hear the voice. So do we. So do we. We've got to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've, we, we say here in church so often, we say Christianity is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And yet we continue to do religious things, thinking that that's going to appease God. Oh, we're not, we're not part of a religion, but we do religious things. We never develop the relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you. He wants to talk to you. Wants to talk to you about your life. Oh, Pastor Joe, that's because he talks to you because you're a pastor. 
I, I, I still get it wrong today. I get it wrong sometimes. I get it wrong. I get this thought. I think, Joe, that's an amazing thought. As in a God, it was a God thought. It wasn't a God thought. It was a, it was a Joe thought. I get it wrong too. We get it wrong sometimes. But by God's grace, I'm getting it more and more right as time walks on. I'm, as time goes on, I'm learning to hear more and more the voice of the Holy Spirit. And most times I get it wrong is because I don't ask God, what do you think about this? I just take off thinking it was God and it wasn't God at all. It was Joe. So I want us to hear, learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let's give it everything we have. Hosea 10, 12 says, break up the unplowed ground for ourselves for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers deliverance on you. If we want to see an awakening, we need to pursue the knowledge of God. Third principle this passage teaches is the experience of the awakening. He will heal us, verse 1. He will bind up our wounds. How beautiful is that? He will bind up our wounds. All of us have got wounds. If you haven't got any wounds, they're coming. In the name of Jesus. This could be your year. Some wounds, you know, how about that? They're coming. We all have wounds. How do you deal with those wounds? You bring them into the presence of God. And you start to say, God, would you send some fire on that person in the name of Jesus? <laughs> and God says, what did you say? <laughs> it's in the presence of God that God begins to heal our wounds. That gives us, to, that gives us the grace to forgive the unforgivable. It's in the presence of God. He will bind up our wounds. He will revive us. He will restore us. And we will live in his presence. Surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. Is the sun going to rise tomorrow? He will appear. When we seek him, when we return to the Lord, when we cry out to God, he will appear. And he will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. I don't know what an awakening look like for, looks like for you, but for some of you, it might mean he will hear you, will bind up your wounds, revive you, restore you. You'll sense his presence again. When revival comes, it's going to be like a downpour. Winter rains are the heavy rains that come in the winter. The spring rains were the intense rains that nursed the crop and readied it for harvest. God spoke through the prophet Joel and said, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. If you do this, God says, Joel chapter 2 verse 28, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, uh, Peter picked up this scripture in Acts where he, when the Holy Spirit fell the first time. And he says, this is speaking about what the Holy Spirit is going to do. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. We are living in the last days. And I believe God is wanting to pour out his spirit. And he's looking for a church, for a group of people, for an individual to whom he can pour his spirit out upon. I don't know about you, but I want to say, Lord, Lord, we, we, we come on. Lord, we, we want it here. Start in Adelaide. Start in Adelaide. Let it happen here in the name of Jesus. How does an awakening begin? It begins with individuals 
crying out to God, Awake my soul. I'm going to sing it in just a moment. Awake my soul. Awake my Revival is not about the world. Revival is about the church. Awake my soul. Awake my soul. It doesn't matter how long we've walked with God. We all drift away from God. We all become comfortable with the presence of God. We all begin to take it for granted. We all all slowly, slowly wander away from God. We need to pray, awake my soul. Help me to return back to you, your God. What would happen if a church united together and began to cry out to God? What would happen if a nation united together and began to pray out to God? I want to show you a clip of a time in history when that exact thing happened. When a nation united together and began to pray and seek God. Thank you, guys. 80 years ago, something happened in the nation of the United Kingdom, which was incredible. And it's a story that has so impacted us as a country that it's influenced our character, our DNA, our spirit. But over the 80 years, the story itself has faded somewhat from our memories. Historians have um, erased part of it. So I want to tell you today the true and the real story of what happened with the miracle of Dunkirk. It's May 1940 and the Germans are about to attack. Uh, Churchill has sent over the British Expeditionary Force, which is about 375,000 soldiers to support the effort in the north. But the Germans surprise everybody and they attack partly through the Ardennes forest and partly through the north. And so we're in the situation where the Germans have not only come right through Holland, but they've also come right through France. German High Command actually says, the British Army is surrounded and our troops are advancing to its annihilation. One of the greatest disasters in history seemed in the making. An entire British Army faced annihilation. Churchill's advisers tell him that because of the waters at Dunkirk, the sea at Dunkirk is shallow, There's only one place where the naval boats can come in and rescue. And so they estimate that only 30,000 soldiers will get out alive. It's a pivotal moment in history. And then something happens. Something happens that has only happened in our nation just a handful of times. The King of England, King George VI, on a radio address to the nation, calls a day of prayer. What happened next was miraculous. Hitler makes one of the biggest strategic military errors in history. He decides to stop the advance on Dunkirk, overrules the protestations of the generals, and sends the bulk of the army down to Southern Europe, back home, There's a million people queuing up outside churches to pray to the God who answers. There's millions of people at home calling out for their loved ones, pleading with God to rescue them. All the more, it is well for us to show the world that we still believe in divine guidance, in the laws of Christianity, 
May we find inspiration and faith from this solemn day. More miracles happen. The Germans are, are going to launch their air force from Flanders, but a storm, a freak storm appears, which grounds most of that air force. Only a few of the planes are able to take off. But what's amazing is, while that storm is happening, just a hundred kilometers away, the weather is completely different. The sea at Dunkirk, some generals describe it as being like glass. It's perfect for this armada of civilian vessels to come in, the, the fishermen boats, the, the sailing boats, the holiday boats, to come and rescue the, the lads on the beaches. British ships, cruisers, destroyers, yachts, paddle boats, anything that could float across the channel. And not only is the sea just like glass, but there's also cover of fog. So even for a lot of, for a lot of the uh, Air Force, they found it difficult to, to navigate, to, to actually attack these ships. And if that's not enough, if Hitler's decision or the weather conditions are not enough, there's actually accounts of this incredible immunity that some of the soldiers had. One group of 400 soldiers had this consistent attack coming in from uh, what was left of the German Air Force to attack. And when the attack finished, 400 of them stood up and just couldn't believe that none of them were hit. None of them were even injured. One of the uh, chaplains of that group of 400 uh, gives the account that he threw himself down to the ground, you know, lay in the sand, was just praying to God for help. And when it went to silence, he got up and checked himself just to see where he'd been hit. But he hadn't. And he looked down at the sand and there was his silhouette in the sand made up of German bullets. Incredible. So as we remember this story, this miracle of Dunkirk, let's remember the real story. Let's remember the true story, what really happened. But most of all, most of all, let us not forget that when this nation humbled itself, when this nation got on its knees and called to the Lord Most High, that he was good, that he answered, he listened and he answered our prayers. And there are now generations in this country who wouldn't even be here if he'd not heard that cry. God is alive, he loves this nation. And when we pray to him humbly, he listens and he answers. Amen. Let's all stand together. The hour has already come for us to wake up from our slumber. For the day of salvation is nearer now than ever before. What happens when a group of people begin to cry out to God? What happens when a church begins to cry out to God? God can do some amazing things. What a powerful testimony. What happens when a nation begins to pray and begin to seek God? Um, I want us to believe that an awakening could start in our hearts and in our own lives as we return to the Lord and as we cry out to Him. Let's sing together. Wake my soul. Waken my soul to the things of God in a greater and a deeper way. We just love you, God. We just want to serve you. 
at the beginning of 2022, as we stand at the door of this amazing year, our prayer, Lord God, is that you would awaken us. Awaken us to the things of God. Awaken us to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Awaken us, Father, to, to what it is you want to do in and through our lives. Let there be an awakening in our soul, in our mind. Let there be an awakening in our church. And we would seek you like never before. That you would move amongst us by your Spirit. That we would see the miracle-working power of God. That we would see healings. That we would see the power of God manifest in our hearts and in our lives. We love you so much, Lord God. Be glorified in and through our lives, we pray. Let the enemy be defeated, your name lifted high, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week in Jesus' name.